Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Who are you? Where did you come from? Isn't your father Joseph? Isn't your mother Mary? And you say you come from God? You come from the Father? You know, we are of our father Abraham. We know where we came from. Where do you come from? And Jesus answered them back and he says, well, let me tell you something. Before Abraham was, I am. That statement really infuriated them. They were really fired up at that point. And then Jesus goes on and he begins to tell him, said, look, if you understood who I am, if you understood who I truly am, then, then you, would, you would believe me, you would believe in me. And he says, and, and if, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine in verse 31 and 32. He said, if you abide in my words and you are truly disciples of mine and you shall know the truth... And the truth will make you free. Have you ever had somebody tell you something that wasn't quite factual? And then they start thinking about it and they begin to say, well, you know, if the truth be known. If the truth be known. Well, it it, it really wasn't like that. If the truth be told, it it really wasn't. You know, I caught a fish. It really wasn't 37 inches long. It was only 27. You know, a fisherman are. They like to kind of stretch it a little bit. It's like I was telling somebody one day, I, was, I said, you know, I was down at the river the other day and I caught a crappie about, about that far from the dock, you know, right off the end. It was about that long. So if the truth be told, it wasn't quite as big as you thought it was. So, you know, some people say that sort of to clarify something they've heard in, and they're attempting to clarify something they've heard that have elements of truth but wasn't totally factual. What Jesus was saying to the people there was absolute fact. What they were saying was somewhat factual. They were children of Abraham, but they couldn't rely upon that fact. But what Jesus was saying to them was, if if you abide in my word. Now that word abide, let 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 me bring something out about that word. That means to stay in a given place. It's the word manio. To, to stay in a given place, a state or a relation of expectancy. To abide, to continue in, dwell in, endure, be present, remain, to stand. And, uh, you know, it means to live in. So if we live in his word, if we live in his word, then he says, you will know the truth. What is truth? Truth is what is not concealed, but open and known. The word aletheia. It is what is not concealed, but it's open and known. So when we speak of absolute truth, we speak of something that's totally, completely factual. So if the truth be told. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he was saying, I am. There's that word again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's an absolute truth. He was laying it all out there. And what he was saying here is that if you abide in this word, if you abide in my words, then you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth. The truth will make you free. How many of you have discovered that truth? And how many of you are walking in the freedom that God declared that you could have? You see, if we believe it totally, 
if we grab a hold of it and we truly believe in Him, adhere to Him, and trust in Him completely, and we abide in that truth. In other words, we live in that truth, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and all the days in between. We live in that. We abide in that truth. Then we have freedom. We walk in freedom. And that's what God wants us to have, is total freedom. Complete freedom. Jesus was attempting to convey a notion that if we continue to search the scriptures for truth, we will come to know it. And if we know and live in the light of that truth, we will be truly disciples of his. Now, what is a disciple? I'm glad you asked because I've got it for you up here. A disciple comes from the word methodes, and it means a learner. Everybody say a learner. I'm a learner. A learner of what? If we are disciples of Christ, then who are we learning of? Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. See, we have to learn of him. A disciple is a learner. It's someone who is open to the truth. Someone who is, who, is, who is after the truth. Now, in order for us to get the truth, it has to be told. So we ask the question, how is truth obtained and how is it preserved? Truth must be, first of all, told. How do I know that? Because the Word says so. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. It says, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall, they believe, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they, help me out, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Y'all want to see some pretty feet? However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to be told and we have to hear. Jesus said many times, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And it says in Revelation, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We have to have ears. We have to open up in order to receive what God has for us. We have to listen to the truth. So if the truth be told and the truth is received and the truth is heard. And if we abide in that truth, if it remains in us and we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. There's a freedom in truth. So I kind of have a little of a acrostic for the word truth. First of all, it has to be told. Then it has to be revealed. How many of y'all have heard something over and over again, but one day it clicks? You've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it, but you haven't heard it. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said that about the people of Israel. He says, you know, you're hard-hearted. He said, you're always hearing, but you're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You hear, but you don't hear because our spiritual sensitivity is dulled by the things around us, and we don't open up, and we don't listen. I grew up hearing the gospel. I grew up from a little boy, I heard it, but I never really adhered to it and believed it until I was 20 years old. 
Because until that time, I was only hearing it with my, my noodle here. But I wasn't hearing it here. I wasn't hearing in the depths of my spirit. My spirit was dead because it was not receiving what was being told. It was being told, but it had to be revealed to me. But one night, I got a revelation of what was being said. I got a revelation of the one little scripture, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It was only one or two scriptures I had ever memorized in my entire life. The other was the 23rd Psalm. But that verse came alive that night. I believed it. It was revealed. The truth was revealed to me. The lid was taken off. That's what the word apocalypto means. Apocalypto, when you hear the word apocalypse, apocalypto means to take the cover off. So the cover of my heart was removed, and I received that word as it was revealed to me. And that's what has to happen in Romans ten seventeen. The word of God is the word rhema. Many times we see the word, we see the word, word, many times over in the New Testament, all through the Scriptures. But there are three Greek words for the word, word, that it's translated from. One of those words is graphe. It's the written word. I mean, it's what we see on paper. In the beginning was, it wasn't the graphe, it wasn't the written word. In the beginning was the word in John 1, 1. That word is the word logos or logos. In the beginning was the logic. It's where we get the word logical. It was the logic of God being revealed to us. I mean, it's illogical when we think of God, when we think of His Son not sparing, when we think of all that He's done and everything else. It sometimes doesn't compute, but when we get a hold of it, it becomes totally logical to us that God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die in our... I mean, that makes sense. That God wanted to reveal His love to us. Then it becomes logic to us. In the beginning was the Lagos. And the Lagos was with God. But here in Romans 10, 17, we have the word word is the word rhema. It is a revealed word of God. It's truth revealed to our spirit. It becomes alive then. It becomes a rhema. All of a sudden, we get it. We heard it, but now it, woo! comes alive. An example of this is found in Acts chapter 14, and Paul was preaching in a little city called Lystra. One day as he, there was a man there who was born crippled. He had never walked before in his entire life. Forty years this man had been carried around, and he was probably a beggar. That's all they could do in those days. It wasn't much. I mean, they didn't have desks to sit at, and, you know, there wasn't all these things they could do. He may have been a scribe. I don't know what, he was, what his occupation was, but I do know this, that Paul was preaching in that city, and as he was preaching in that city, he was, he was carrying the mail, man. He was bringing it. He was preaching the Word of God, and as he was preaching, he looked at this guy, and he could see it in his face, man. He could see all of of a sudden he noticed the light come on in this guy's eyes and he perceived that he had faith to be healed so how does faith come faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God 
He'd been hearing Paul talk about the power of the Spirit and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He had heard about the power of the Messiah and what God was wanting to do and what God was doing all around him. And he was probably hearing testimonies of other people being healed. And all of a sudden, the light comes on in that man and Paul looks at him and says, Get up! Be healed in the name of Jesus! And the guy stands up and immediately his, his feet are straightened up and he's got strength in his feet and he begins to walk and praise the Lord. I mean, what would you do if for 40 years you had sat there? But you come into a meeting and you hear somebody preaching the word of God and all of a sudden you get a rhema of what's being said. You might have heard it before. But it just didn't ring. But all of a sudden now it comes alive and that's what happened to him. We know I had the similar experience. We need spirit-filled teachers who will teach us the Word of God that, that will reveal the Word of God to us. And, and I had that experience in my own life. You know, for years, I, I had a book that I had set on my shelf. There it was. Somebody gave it to me. It was a cool book. It looked good sitting in my shelf. People come in and look. Oh, you got quite a library here. I see you got T.L. Osborne's book here, Healing the Sick. Yeah, I got it. But in my hour of need, when I needed a revelation from heaven, when I had people telling me, you know, I, I discovered I had hepatitis C, and people would tell me, you know, well, maybe, maybe it's God. It's, it's, it's remnants of your past. And it's God's way of dealing with you. And, you know, think about Paul and his thorn in the flesh. You know, he asked God to take it away from him. He never did. And maybe it's God's will that you have this just to show people that you can be a, a man of God and have this disease in your body. You can give glory to God as you suffer through it. Hogwash. If I would have believed that, I would be dead now. And I'm like, Lord, I need to hear from heaven. I need to hear something from you. And I got out my concordance and I started looking through it. I dug every healing scripture I could find out. And one day I just turned around and I saw that book. And I pulled it out of the shelf. And I opened it up and I started reading it. And as I'm reading through this book, this man of God sharing truths that not only he had learned, but he had learned from others like F.F. Like Bosworth about Christ the Healer. And he would use scripture to back up what he was saying all through it, man. I mean, it was just powerful. And I'm looking through that book, and one thing just leaped off the pages at me. Psalm 107, verse 20, and he sent his word and he healed them. I'm thinking, man, I need healing. So what am I going to get my healing from? The word of God. So I dug deeper, and I began to stand upon the authority of God's word, and all of a sudden the lid becomes... It began to come off, and God began to speak to me, and I got a rhema from God concerning my healing. God spoke to me about it, and I stand here today to tell you that I am totally and completely healed in the name of Jesus. And, and one of the most renowned hepatologists in the entire world said to me, you young men are an absolute miracle of God. I'll take that any day over somebody telling me, maybe God wants you to be sick for the rest of your life. Because that is a lie of the devil. And if we will believe that, we will stay in bondage to that lie. 
But if the truth be told, and we grab the truth, and we understand the truth, and it becomes rhema to us, and we begin to walk in that truth, if you abide in the truth, you live in that truth, you walk in that truth, you stay in that truth, you believe that truth, Jesus said, then you are truly my disciples. And that's what I want to be. Because if I want to learn of anything, I want to learn of Him. That's what the Apostle Paul says, Oh, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection be made conformable unto His death in order that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He wanted to know Christ more than anything else. Notice, he didn't say, I just want to know Jesus. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels, or in the, not in the Gospels, but in the Epistles, when Paul talks about Jesus, he will either say Jesus Christ, or he will say Christ. What he's actually saying is Jesus the Christ. Because there were probably many people named Jesus. I go to Mexico a lot. And if I ask someone there, do you know Jesus? Oh, si, senor. Jesus, he's my neighbor. A lot of them know Jesus. But we're not talking about just Jesus because the name Jesus means Savior. But how could he say without being the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah? The word Christ is the word Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S, and it means anointed one. Jesus came as the anointed one. Remember in Luke chapter 4, in verse 20, when he stood in the temple and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about him being the Christ. In Colossians 1.27, he said that it is Christ in you, the anointed one inside of you, who is the hope of glory. I want to tell you, we can do nothing to bring glory to God in ourselves. John 15, 7 says, without me, you can do nothing. And we can't. We have to abide in the vine. We have to be a part of who he is. He has to be a part of us. He has to be inside of us. How does he come inside of us? By his spirit. We're learning about that a lot on Wednesday nights, aren't we? We just started a new series called The Holy Spirit with John Bevere. It is amazing. You don't want to miss that. It's really good. Really good. But... The truth has to be revealed, it has to be understood, it has to be then tested and tried. Tested and tried. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 8, and this is important, he said, examine and test and evaluate who? Your own selves. Not your neighbor. You know, I mentioned that last week. A lot of times we sit in church and we look around and we hear a word and we say, oh, that's for them. I hope he gets that. And we, if we're sitting near a wife or a husband, we, did you get that? But we need to examine ourselves for what purpose? To see whether you're holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. This is in the Amplified Version. I like it because it speaks a little bit louder. He says, test and approve yourselves, not Christ. 
Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? If Christ is in you, people are going to know it. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? It is the hope that you will reveal Christ to others around you. That you will show the glory and the goodness of God. The doxa, the splendor, the majesty of God himself inside of you. You ever had somebody to witness to you with an old lemon face? I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you how he changed my life. Bless God. Because if he changed me, he can change you. I was an old lost sinner, and I still am a sinner saved by grace. Bless God. I ain't much. Never have been much. Never will be much. And it just makes me want to get what they got. You know what I'm saying? But I want people to look at me and say, man, you got something I want. I don't know what it is, but I want it. I want what you got because whatever you got sure makes you happy. Whatever you got makes you full of joy. You know, and and, and the more people know us, if they know that we're going through stuff, just like they are. And yet we have the joy of the Lord. Paul says, you know, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, there would to be content. He said, I know how to be happy. I know how to be sad. I know how to be rich. I know how to be poor. I know how to be all these things. He said, but whatever state I am in, I have learned there would to be content. You know, he, he had learned whatever situation, whatever circumstances, it didn't change who he was. Because he was in his world with the Holy Ghost inside. And the only thing that would change him in his world is the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him. And as the power of the Holy Spirit begins to expand inside of us, guess what? Our world begins to get larger. God begins to expand our borders and our influence begins to go out wider. Because people will begin to hear and understand and perceive. They will seek you out. We won't have to go out looking for people. They will come to you. (laughs) It's amazing. Sometimes I go to the Y and I come home and I haven't sweated a bit. My wife says, where have you been? Well, the truth of the matter is, truth be told, I've gone to the Y and somebody has come up to me and we get in a conversation because they begin to share with me something that's going on in their life and they begin to ask me to pray with them. Would you pray with me? And so... I'll spend a couple hours talking with that person, and we'll pray in the why, and I'm out of time. And then I'll think about the scripture in 2 Timothy that says, you know, bodily exercise profits a little, but with godliness, with contentment, it's great gain. <laughs> and so I realized that my exercise for the day, even though I didn't do much to do the outside any good, on the inside, I'm, I'm made a little bit richer. Because God has allowed me to speak truth into somebody else's life. And to pray with them. And that to me is more valuable than pumping iron for two hours. It does me a whole lot more good. And I hope that it does them a lot more good. And I believe that it does. But see, Paul says, 
Test yourself. See if you got, see if what you got is of any value. See if you got the real thing. You know, if we got it, Paul goes on to say, though we may seem to have failed and unapproved, we can do nothing against the truth nor serve any party of personal interest but only the truth which is the gospel. If we're truly walking in the light of the truth, our lives will reflect that truth. Truth will reveal who we really are. Paul says, examine yourself in the light of truth and see if you're truly standing in faith and walking in truth. Trials and testings in our lives will bring out the true character of who we are. Truth be told, it will. And does character matter? Yes, it does. Character is who we are while no one's looking. Reputation is what people say that we are, who, we, who they say we are. So I would be much more interested in my character than my reputation. So here's the other thing. When it comes to truth, you've got to hold on to it. Hold on to truth. Don't let go of it. We're living in a day when there are a lot of voices, a lot of things being said. And they sound good on the surface. We talk about love a lot, don't we? Let's love one another. But if we get away from the truth of who love is and what love truly is, then we don't know how to truly love. We love ourselves and we love the world. If we do that, then it puts us in enmity with God. Because God says in the book of James, he says, Love not the world nor the things that are in the world, because friendship with the world is enmity with God. So love is a loose cannon word that we can use. It covers a lot of things. But if it's not founded in the truth of what love truly is, then it becomes counterfeit love. But we have to hold on to the truth. Paul said this in Romans chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Again, this is in the Amplified Version. He says, For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses more faith. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. In verse 18, for God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. That is a mouthful. Hinder the truth and make it inoperative. I was watching some one of those TV shows, The Distorted View or something like that. And there was some reverend, reverend doctor so-and-so, who was on there who was talking about how his society had evolved. Where that we have to do away with the archaic ideas of the Bible. And we have to embrace the new revelation of our time. And if I could have reached through the TV screen, I would have slapped the devil out of it. 
Because the righteous indignation just arose within me. And I was thinking, I'd love to love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs> but we have believed a lie. And the truth is beginning to be reformed when we take factual history, we revise it to suit our own needs and our own desires as a society. We're doing it in the church as well, which is, you know, Paul says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If we allow unrighteous activity and things to go on in the church and we don't address them and we don't handle those things, Paul told Timothy, he says, rebuke with all authority. We don't hear much about that word anymore, rebuke, you know. We're supposed to love people, supposed to be gentle and kind, not supposed to rebuke them. And I tell you what, sometimes we need a good stiff rebuke. We need to be told the truth. Because if we don't tell the truth, and if we don't sound the alarm, I remember Oscar Gray telling me Sunday after Sunday, we'd walk out of church when we were pastoring Avon, he would walk up to me and he would always pat me on the back and say, Preacher, my blood's not on your hands. I'd look at him and say, well, I hope not. I didn't realize what he was saying, but Ezekiel 33 says that if we see someone and their sin. And if we don't address that situation, if we don't go to them, and if we don't confront that sin, and they die in their sin, their blood is on our hands. But if we go to them, and we tell them the truth, and we rebuke them for their sin, and they die in their sin, their blood is not on our hands. But if we go and we... we address their sin, if we, we confront them with their, in their sin, and they turn from their sin, we save that person. And then, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Not turn away and, and just coddle people and, and say, oh, it's okay. We got grace to cover it. Well, the grace does cover it, but God expects change in our lives. If we, got cha- if we got Christ in us, we are going to change. There's no way around it. Because we're a new creation. And the Bible says if, we, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things become new. We can't help it. It's part of our nature. As a believer, when we are born again by the Spirit of God, something will happen inside of us that will change and transform who we are. If the truth be told. Paul goes on. Or, uh, Timothy, I mean, let, me, let me get away. Here, 2 Peter. <laughs> Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and he amplified again, but also in those days, everybody say those days. And what did we preach about last week? The last days. In the last days, or in those days that we're talking about, there arose many false prophets among the people. And he's speaking of days past, but he's also speaking of days to come. Just as there will be false teachers among yourselves who will subtly and stealthily introduce heretical doctrines, destructive heresies, even denying and disowning the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their immoral ways and lascivious doings because of them the true way will be maligned and defamed. 
There are a lot of pastors today that are going to stand before God and give an account. And I would not want to be in their shoes. Because they're not teaching the truth. They're, they're teaching what people want to hear. And, and Paul addressed that to Timothy. He said in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, Hold fast and follow the pattern of wholesome and sound teaching from which you have heard from me in all the faith and love which are for us in Christ Jesus. Guard, everybody say guard. And keep with greatest care the precious and excellently adapted truth which has been entrusted to you by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes his home in us. So hold on to that truth. Hold on to the truth of God's word. Don't let anyone persuade you or, or, or dissuade you or pull you in another direction away from the truth of God's word. God's word has to be the central part of our lives. The Word of God is absolute, authoritative. It is the Word of God. Psalm 119, 89 says, Thy Word, O God, is forever settled in the heavens. It's forever settled. He never changes. His Word never changes. Sin that was sin in Paul's day is still sin. As it was in the days of Moses. Nothing has changed. Sin is what? It's violation. It's trespassing the law of God. That's what sin is. Oh, wow. Paul goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm almost done. He says, for the time will come when people, everybody say people, people, will not tolerate, endure, sound and wholesome instruction, but having itching for something pleasing and gratifying, They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking liking, and to foster the errors they hold, and will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. As for you, be calm and cool and steady, accept and suffer unflinchingly, every hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fully perform the duties of your ministry. So hold on to the truth. Hold on to the absolute truth of God's Word, no matter what anyone else says. You know, I've always invited you, and I encourage you, to examine everything that I say in the light of Scriptures. In the book of Acts, there was one group of people called the Bereans. And it says they were more noble than all the others. Why? Because they studied the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was truth. They examined everything he said by the scriptures. I encourage you to do that. Our messages are available on the podcast. You can go there to our site, www.destinycity.org. You can look on the media part there and you can click on and you can pull up any message that I have. And I encourage you. To go through those, and if you happen to find an error, bring it to me, and I will publicly repent before you and before God and everybody else because I want it to be lined up with the Scripture and the purposes of God. And you should too. You should too. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I don't care how academically smart they are because God uses the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel to confound the wise. 
Your destiny in Christ, the truth that we've come to know in Jesus is that truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And as we believe in the gospel and invite Jesus and make him Lord of our lives, it will change everything about us. And this will allow us to prove what his will in our lives is and to bring him glory according to Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How's Christ being formed in you through his word? God and his word are the same. In the beginning was the? Word. And the word was with God and the word was? Aha. There it is. God and his word are inseparable. So when you study the word of God, you're hearing from him. Remember I told you last week. And I told my wife the other day, I said, I'm eternally grateful to a little evangelist by the name of Randall Black who came and stood in our pulpit at another church that I pastored. And he said one Sunday morning, he said, how many of you have God speak to you in an audible voice every day? And nobody raised their hand. I was like, uh, hmm? And he said, God talks to me every day in an audible voice. And I thought, what kind of a Super spiritual whack is this. I started looking around for the, for the ushers. And I'm like, are we going to have to pull this guy off the platform? He says, no. He said, God speaks to me audibly every day. He says, and you're wondering how he does it, aren't you? I'm like, he said, well, he said, I read his word out loud. And that's God talking to me in an audible voice. Faith comes by hearing hearing and hearing by the Word of God. To meditate on the Word means to speak it over and over again to yourself. Talk it up to yourself. The word in the the Hebrew, the word meditate, in Psalm chapter 1, is it means to talk to oneself over and mutter to oneself over and over again. So we take the word of God and we begin to mutter it to ourselves. And it becomes a part of who we are. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, if we want to be founded and grounded upon the truth of God's word, we've got to get it in us. It's not enough to have it laying on the shelf or riding around in the back of our car up in the window. We've got to get it in our hearts. It doesn't matter what kind of Bible you got, what version you have. As long as if you're not getting it in you, it doesn't matter. You've got to get it inside of you. Then it becomes alive. Then God can speak a rhema word to your heart. You ever have one of those aha moments? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's called a kairos moment. It's a moment in time when all of a sudden something happens that's just life-changing. It's a watermarked experience in your life. Anybody ever, ever had one of those aha moments? When you've been pondering something and you've been praying about it and you've been talking to God about it and you've been reading and studying the word and you you're, might be driving down the road one day and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, yeah, I got it. And you almost run off the road or run over the little lady that's doing 20 miles an hour in front of you or something. You know what I'm talking about. You get it. All of a sudden, you got it. And the truth is revealed to you. God wants to give you those moments a lot. He wants to give them to you constantly. You know, if we're not getting into the truth of God's word for ourselves, then we're going to miss those moments. It's good to listen to other teachers. I'm not poo-pooing that idea at all. 
People ask me all the time, like, you ever watch this guy on TV? You watch this guy on TV? If you watch this guy on TV? If I watched all those guys on TV, I would never get nothing done. <laughs> Be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of teachers and preachers on TV. I'm sorry, I just don't. But I do listen to a lot of teaching and I read a lot, which helps me. And the reason I'm saying that is, as we read that and we read it out loud to ourselves, it gets inside of us, it changes us. And that's what God has wanted us to do. The truth be told, that's what's going to change you, is the truth. Truth. If you abide in my words, and my words abide in you, you shall know the truth. Truth will set you free. You shall ask what you will, and you can get it too. And God's word abides in you. So, that's my message for you today. Get the word in you. Let God speak to you. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.